back on the after hours feed and we're in november and it's election day and you already dropped off your ballot because i know you're a good early voter if you listen to extended clip but if you haven't go to the polls and vote for chris rock for president it's not too late we're talking about head of state today the film directed co-written and starring one christopher rock uh from 2003 i shouldn't say christopher rock he would hate that that's the that's he as a comedian he would appreciate the troll abilities of you doing that. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and you know the film opens on an image of Mount Rushmore, and I think it keeps that level of American iconography uh, present in mind throughout its entire runtime. Mm-hmm. I do like the opening gag of uh, Nate Dogg singing with some, you know, some dancers, and like they list a list of politicians: Al Sharpton. You know, uh, Bob Dole, Hillary Clinton are not in this movie. Pretty good gag. Yeah, I, I think that's a really great opening credits gag, kind of like a Zaz light kind of gag. Uh, you know, Chris Rock's taste in film comedy, I feel like, skews kind of like neurotic late 70s, early 80s, like Zaz Woody Allen type stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it creates a really weird gag ratio yeah. in this film where I feel like it's like, this is like just a gentle and pleasant film in its pacing. Like I wish there were a lot of like more jokes, but like it's just a nice little breezy ride. <laughs> uh, so you know, after their nominee and his running mate are both killed in a plane crash, uh, the party we can only assume are the Democrats uh, select Chris Rock, an alderman in D.C., uh, to run for president. Because they know he'll lose and it'll springboard uh, the evil uh, other Democrats uh, for a good candidacy in 2008. Uh, it's a political film whose politics don't go far beyond, you know, stuff is really messed up and <laughs> neither party seems to care. But for a comedy movie, sometimes that's all you really need. No, yeah, exactly. Hey, you know, it taught me a thing or two. I didn't know what an alderman was before this movie. I was like, what the fuck is an alderman? I had to look that up. I mean, for being as like, as relatively like trying to be apolitical with like not even mentioning the Democratic Party, I do think that like, I mean, I'm it would be insane of me to call this a leftist film, but I do think like rational things that like most like the the sort of everyman perspective that Chris Rock is like sort of reaching to where like aren't things fucked up like aren't rich people making like way too much money and like exploiting people are like general like i don't know the the flow the the beliefs of the masses yeah. are left leaning it's a it's a populist movie yeah, yeah. exactly and it's kind of like taking the temperature of american culture at the time rather than making a political critique of it i guess uh, you know, he wants to know, were we ready for a black president uh, yeah. in, in in 2008, really, is what it's posing, uh, because obviously this is all, 
you know, looking forward, kind of just like trapped in this malaise of the Bush years. Uh, and while it never reaches Bullworthian heights of political satire, uh, yeah, if Rock's candidate has any ideology, it's just support of working class. Mm-hmm. Like the only thing that we know for sure is that he's pro-union and that he thinks rich people make too much money. And hey, that's hard work in facts and logic socialism right there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of people, you know, I follow his understanding of so no. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also Rock's filmmaking has kind of a shaggy but like studio competent comfort to it. You know, like mm-hmm. a 90s studio film rather than a stand-up comedian's big uh, day out on the film screen, you know. And honestly, the the Woody Allen influence is pretty clear to me in like the, the early Woody Allen movies especially uh, with their like cutaway gags. And for this one, the emotional and neurotic core as ineffectual as that emotional core is, especially especially as it regards to the ex-girlfriend character. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. When you when in the first 15 minutes he almost punches his ex-girlfriend. Now this you is a know. very vital scene cuz he almost punches. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so close. He he does the swing. He's like he just doesn't connect. Yeah, that's it's probably the worst stuff about the movie. Oh yeah, the, the girlfriend stuff. Although security gag kind of funny yeah Yeah. i mean that's the harshest break of reality that we have in this film is the ex-girlfriend character who he walks into the apartment and she immediately just like does a nagging session that leads into a breakup nag and then just pops up every time like uh rock rises uh further into stardom and you know just says a bunch of delusional stuff about their wedding and then he says security and she's swept away uh like the sandman (laughs) (laughs) i you know it's it's the stuff with like the the ex girlfriend, it's like when someone like a you know a writer writes a character so bitter, it's like they obviously have some bitterness themselves yeah. about the subject. Like she's literally like when she sees that Rock is running for president, literally like in her apartment screams no and like looks up to the. It's pretty ridiculous. Like it I is. mean, <laughs> it would be less misogynist if it was funnier. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> It'd go down easier. Yeah, I guess so. But Us being anti-misogynist. There, there's some very comforting stuff in this. You know, yeah. the, in the first 15 minutes before he gets his car taken away, Chris Rock driving around in his Altima listening to Jay-Z. And there's yeah. a recurring gag of, you know, news broadcasts always interrupting. Uh, <laughs> 03, 0-3 Bonnie and Clyde, is it? The, it's yeah. Funny? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's the, my, my impression of like the first 40 minutes of this movie. Because I feel like as it goes, it plays less rap music. But I was like, rap music was fun in 2003. We interrupt the Jay-Z song to bring you this special bulletin. Presidential candidate Senator Sam Gaines and his running mate General Olson James were both killed today when their planes crashed into each other over Virginia. We now return you to the Jay-Z song already in progress. I mean, you have Nate Dogg doing an intro and like DJ Quick uh, supplies the instrumentals for all of the Nate Dogg interludes and... Man, the soundtrack really helps this movie go down easy mm-hmm. because like once in a while, you know, Nate Dogg will pop up kind of a Greek chorus figure. Kind of like Jonathan Richman and there's something about Mary. There it is. <laughs> Set it off, yes. Mike. Set it off, Mike. <laughs> Successful comparison. <laughs> uh but yeah, I mean it's it's a really great soundtrack. I, I I'm a big fan of it. 
Also, Bernie Mac's presence in this movie is great. You kind of wish he was in it more. You know, you see an early scene where he visits the campaign trail and then he's brought in at the hour mark to give this film the boost it needs uh, for the last 30 minutes. And man, Bernie Mac's introduction uh, or reintroduction rather is one of the most powerful like injections of energy into a (laughs) film that I've ever seen as Rock announces him as his running mate and he just steps off of the train in like a ridiculous like pimp costume and just starts <laughs> pimp slapping people in this long track <laughs> the shot uh, leading up to him. Slapping lobbyists. Yeah, uh, leading up to him just punching Rock in the face to greet him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do kind of like, yeah, the, the stuff, the campaign, like this is does have a light bull worth feel to it, you know, not as radical doesn't say the s word or anything like that but uh i do kind of like when uh rocks like all right no more suits i'm gonna rock the american jean jacket you know sneakers combo it is a lot of fun stuff like that going yeah and like i i think uh something like uh earlier on where rock is at the donor party and he's you know starts playing hot in here and they all start oh. dancing and like i, I that scene cuz that scene's extremely goofy that it's, is one of the weirdest scenes yes it is it is almost goofy to the point where it's like this is i don't know how i feel about it but the fact that i like the song hot in here definitely helps cuz i'm like <laughs> it's like damn dude it's like this is a good song at least no know? it's it's yeah. pleasant like yeah. it's a, the, he throws a little bit of the humpty dance in yeah, there yeah. too I, I think I think what makes it weird is like the way it ends with he's gonna be like I'm setting this place on fire like Rock says it as the DJ yeah he all- says the roof is on fire and they take it literally which is definitely like a gag from a Zaz movie from 30 <laughs> years prior like mm-hmm. that is not a 2003 joke that is a joke that really cued me into this film's sensibility and like the comedy mm-hmm. movies that Rock was watching leading up to this you know I mean I was just looking through my notes here and just like in terms of the political stuff I mean I think the initial setup that gets him in is like by the Democratic Party I think is I, I, one of the more in like incisive, incisive political points where it's mm-hmm. like the scheme is that Oh, by nominating just a random black guy, we're locking down like the minority vote. And that's like something of like an id poll critique. Like it's not mm-hmm. like. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also like uh, how interchangeable the phrase minority is, like who fills that slot. Uh, the uh, arbitrary nature of just like minority representation for Democrats is on full display there as they ask to nominate uh, Rock, and then one of the other guys just says, well, what about a cripple? You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I like that also, like, the recurring gag of Chris Rock envisioning himself getting shot. So when- <laughs> great. Every time... <laughs> Every time he starts to get a little ahead of himself, you just get this flash to Chris Rock like the end of fucking Nashville, just in front of the American flag, bullet to the heart. (laughs) It is like kind of like these small cutaways and like these small jokes that really just make the movie worthwhile and kind of like are my favorite parts of them. Like there's no like real plot development or character building or anything, even like a lot of like camera work or anything that I take you know huge pleasure in but there's just some great jokes and yeah, it's a exactly. comedy movie. yeah i mean like to go back to that scene where they're talking about diversity there's a cutaway to just like a diverse group of people but there's just one like white lady in there and yeah. you just have to think like that's part of it like she has like whether she's 
like gay or disabled like you're just supposed to kind of fill in the blank because it's just like a normal looking white lady that was one of the stronger filmmaking techniques honestly when they're discussing minorities and then you just get a cutaway of like yeah a group of smiling you know minority it's, it's just very, very quick pan yeah. like or not even pan, it's like a dolly shot yeah, yeah just tracking across all of their faces just kind of <laughs> gazing like emptily at the camera yeah. but like with that fake smile of a political commercial you know yeah, yeah. Uh, also, another thing that I think, I mean, it's just golden when they're uh, taking down, when, the, when you know, Rock gets Mac as his running mate, is going, you know, Bullworth Light, and they're redecorating the campaign office. When they take down, uh, I f- they take down pictures of, like, pre- like isn't it like... They take down, they take down a painting of ronald reagan and replace it with a photograph of alan iverson i know legendary i love it and it was like george washington and then like mary j blige it's yeah it's amazing it's amazing and that you know here's a this might be too woke here so you might have to cut this out but uh you know it's it's funny because it's like you know people you know trump getting elected right you know a lot of libs would be like oh he's ruining the sanctity of office or whatever something like that whereas like rock and like if you're a minority you never saw like you only saw white guys take the office he's like he has no respect for like the title of presidency oh yeah anything like that and he just you know it's not he's willing to do anything with it i guess beyond the broad working class message uh there is an anti-authoritarian belt or an anti-authority in general belt uh bent to it in the sense that he disregards the office completely and dresses how he feels like it, like he dresses as an mm-hmm. alderman, uh, until he gets a little, I guess, of that DNC uh, campaign budget to, you know, uh, pimp out the wardrobe a little. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, also, like, Chris Rock at one point, like, directly compares himself to being, like, a Bugs Bunny type figure. <laughs> I think any, like, I think any good comedy movie about politics has at least to be a little bit anti-authoritarian if it's not going to be, you know, a big political message movie. Because then it just takes on a weird tone where it's like, I mean, I can't even think of an example of this, but it's just like, what what is this, like comedy for people who are like, I love Democrats. Yeah, exactly. All I can think of is book smart, but it's like comedy with like a prescriptive politics doesn't sound good to me. Yeah. Like even Bullworth is not a prescriptive movie. That's about a guy putting a hit on himself and yeah. going Bullworth mode, you know? I, I think this film is just kind of, yeah, as I said earlier, taking the temperature of the culture at the time. And, you know, uh, that party where the roof was on fire. Uh, what a weird, like, throwback kind of set piece. You have, like, these old dem potential billionaire donors doing the electric slide together and like you have an old granny saying i love it you know like (laughs) just such a weirdly out of time feeling kind of thing uh as chris rock's romance starts to flourish with a woman who he's seen working multiple jobs you know working as a waitress at this dnc fundraiser which kind of a sus job to just have on the side Uh, but also it's just like a cashier at the gas station yeah, she does dungeon cleaning for the DNC or something. <laughs> oh, the craziest part of that dance scene is when he starts like calling out different dance moves and like just rotating through all these different songs. Yeah. And when he plays the next episode by Dr. Dre, he tells them to crip walk. And yeah. like you just like they're just doing like that Irish kick dancing kind of. <laughs> it is definitely the most zane you see in the movie very zany yeah yeah like it doesn't you know i I watched uh chris rock's two 
first specials this week again. Uh, or I hadn't seen the first half hour, but rewatched Bring the Pain. Yeah. And uh, it's so funny how his attitude on stage is so different from this. Like yeah. the only crossover that I would say is the scene where he almost punches his girlfriend. <laughs> like that's the closest uh, filmic representation to a standup. But it just shows how he approaches the mediums totally different. True. Like I, I paint that as a very bad picture of a standup. He's one of the greatest stand-up performers of all time. Like, there's no doubt about it. His material is, like, ridiculous. It's, like, so outwardly wrong on purpose just to prove a point. I mean, it's the kind of comedy where it's just like, okay, take the dumbest premise you could possibly think of and write it into a joke. And he's one of the gods at doing that, for sure. I mean, that's kind of what you were getting at with Booksmart, but that also, like, applies to, like, stand-up. It's like, I'm not watching, like, fucking, like, stand-up comedy to be, like, some prescriptive, like, political bullshit. I, I want to fucking laugh. A lot of the time, it will just be, like, an insane fucking thought process just drawn out. I mean, yeah, I kind of prescribed to the theory that a lot of comedy, of course, this is different, like, I don't know, in a film sense, but a lot of, like, stand-up comedy that's funny is just saying the wrong thing having the wrong opinion on yeah. something and then trying to justify that. Exactly. Is, uh, I mean, yeah. we've praised Patrice O'Neill before, who's in this film also. Uh, his, I mean, come on, Elephant in the Room, I don't think I agree with a sentence of that special, but it's one of the greatest specials of all time. Yeah, and like I love throughout that special how um, he's not saying he's wrong, but he's like, he keeps pointing to young guys and he's like, you agree with me? They're kind of like, eh, you know, they're with their girlfriends. They're like, eh, not, you know, and he's it like, has a defensive tone. Yeah, exactly. It's like in, you know, uh, I hear people talk about in like fucking academia, you know, I have to defend my thesis this week. Yeah. I guess that's what that style of stand up comedy is, is just defending the dumbest thesis imaginable. Yeah. And then I love Patrice being like, you know, my ways are done. They're old. You know, people are not going to be like this anymore. You know, I'm done for. You yeah, know, that's kind of a you know somewhat sad, conclusive end to his career. I mean, obviously, the yeah. Patrice, any arc you take with him is very sad, as he yeah. you know went way too soon. But yeah, you see him early on as a guy that hangs out in the back of an SUV at the gas station that Chris Rock says what's up to, and then when he's later, uh, you know, arrested, uh, you get a flashback to him, and you get a joke about like the multiple layers of how well you know someone that you say what's up to at the gas station <laughs> <laughs> you know it's uh funny i i remember one time i was in a 7-eleven this happened to me a couple times and like the the cashier will just be like all right see you tomorrow man like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's a that's a lifestyle judgment <laughs> yeah yeah that's rough i get that one like uh they don't want to say like uh the usual like they, yeah. you know they don't want to say it either but mm -hmm. they look at the the monster zero ultra <laughs> and the ruffles yeah there's a lot of tension between me and the 7-eleven closest to me for going too much they're like using here again <laughs> no but i love how like that gas station is the representation of the dc that rock knows like while he's on the road campaigning I think almost every scene that you go back to in DC is in that gas station. You also have Tracy Morgan going and he just wants to watch Martin, you know, but uh, the politics are on TV. It's I a mean, politics movie. That's like one thing that like really surprised me. I mean, like obviously it's like not at like the point Chris Rock is at now in his career, but it has that working class feel that is like as authentic as you can get. I feel like as mm -hmm. a famous person, I, I don't know exactly how comparable it was like living in North Philly to like certain areas of DC. But I think there's a lot of that that rings true with like Tracy Morgan's character just selling meat 
guys trying to give you like their their like mixtape and shit like that on the street. There are a lot of jokes about that. Yeah. And it's just like there's a lot of talking about the gas station being a point of congregation and just chilling. It's uh there's a lot of truth there. Also, I mean, I, I said that only one scene related to a stand up, and I mean that purely on a material sense that like uh, the material he's writing. I don't want to use material in that way i'm not smart on you i'm talking about the jokes baby uh i guess that is the material but anyway uh, uh he sets himself up so many like stand-up-esque monologues that just kind of don't fit in with the persona of his early specials kind of that's yeah. like so much more mean kind of but i really love the dialogue he writes for himself especially when he goes into a more monologue style. He knows how to write for himself and, you know, he's a fucking great performer and he knows it and it's uh, it's an easy film to watch, especially when it's him and Bernie Mac together. Uh, Bernie yeah. Mac, we've sung his praises on the pod before, one of the all-timers for this era, especially. Yeah, Rock kind of predates kind of like the Trumpian handling of a, you know, a debate stage or anything like that, kind of the, treating it as a joke or just, you know, kind of going off there you know just trying to entertain the people yeah it's a fun bit when they have to go the republican candidate you assume he's a republican candidate because you hear a uh, conservative talk radio now start to bash chris rock's character and calling his friends his peeps yeah. uh, a rush limbaugh stand-in saying some pretty racist stuff <laughs> and uh you know they they fight fire with fire in their uh, campaign ad they they get a klansman to do a uh <laughs> Say some bad stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Uh, but it becomes a very fun back and forth kind of thing for about 15, 20 minutes as they're goading the candidate into debating. And then they finally do debate. And like they use the ESPN Monday Night Football theme as the debate <laughs> intro music. Which I got to say, one of the great pieces of TV music that I can recall. That's true. That really, is, really great track right there. <laughs> that and the NBA Tonight uh Oh, definitely. Are, are great. This movie's an audio masterpiece now that I think about <laughs> yeah. it. Like, all, all of the dialogue, not all of the dialogue, but a lot of the dialogue is very good. And on a soundtrack and score level, it's like 10 out of 10, honestly. Mm -hmm. I like I like the bit where, um, the, and this gets this gets pretty gag gag material, where Rock and Mac, like, their, their technique to getting the Republican candidate to debate them is just like, why would you show up wherever he's at? And they just keep getting like, come on, do it. Come on, do it. He's pre-staging the debate me. Like, why won't you debate me True. on Twitter type guys? Uh, he, he's a facts and logic guy. He's a facts and logic socialist. That's Chris mm -hmm. Rock's politics in this we should, movie. We should try to debate a popular film podcast. Like, just demand they debate us. That's yeah, so blank stupid. check. Let's take yeah. them. Do it. That's it why it'd be so stupid. Quoting Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> what would we do? Even what debate them on? What <laughs> on Who's James L. Brooks is better? <laughs> Why James L. Brooks is good? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, they they have some pretty offensive. They did a whole series on James L. Brooks, and it was pretty offensive, to yeah. be honest. And I I haven't listened to it, but I've I, yeah, seen just, their letterbox logs. I just on assume movies. it's offensive. Yeah, of course. It's an explicit podcast. We keep it clean here. We do keep it clean. <laughs> Speaking of keep it clean, I do love that the the DNC has their super whores on staff. Like, you know, they said, uh, we, we got tired of getting caught up in sex scandals, which, oh boy, did they. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny. That's just like the third member of staff is just like a designated sex worker. <laughs> yeah, and then it's the cutaway 
uh, joke to them, like training all the sex workers in like a army style fashion. Well, you say sex work. I think at that point it's sex slave. Sex. Yeah. Well, if you work for the DNC, <laughs> exactly. That's like the code name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing that's some pizza good, yeah. to the party. <laughs> <laughs> What's Lena Dumman? Dumman. What's Lena? Lena Dumman on Twitter. Tell people to, dumb and dumber. You hear about this bitch Lena Dumb and Dumber? Just tell people to vote on Twitter. It said you can eat as much pizza as you want. All right, all right. It's well, kind of kind of sus. I do see your point there, but Lena Dunham's an artist, and you know, uh, are you know, artists and politics—they don't match. True, true. I see kind of like this new take. It's like everyone hated her, so she's good. It's like I'm I'm a classic misogynist. Still hate her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's misogynist to hate Lena Dunham. No, yeah. I don't think that was ever the thing. I think it was just that she was bad and like very specific in the way that a lot of other like True. mumblecore adjacent type stuff is. Yeah, I was too young to be annoyed. You know, I was just like, I just picked up on it and I was like, let me ride this wave. I was just <laughs> above the drama. True, above. No, I was not above the drama, dude. Because I we finished our uh, history of United States cinema class with tiny furniture oh. at Cal State Northridge, and I will forever curse Professor Tim Halloran for doing that. Doctor <laughs> Tim Halloran, yeah. Tim Allen, yeah, Tim Allen. <laughs> yeah, he showed home improvement every week. It's weeks one through fifteen, home improvement. Week sixteen, tiny furniture. Santa Claus. <laughs> Yeah, that's the end of home improvement. Ultimately, you build yourself some tiny furniture. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! And this has been Tool Time with the Tool Man, JT White. (laughs) That was an impressive knot you just tied there, man. Fuck. That's I, don't even, gotta, I don't even know if we can go back to head of state. That's I, like, boom. I was going to say, that's enough material, right? <laughs> end, <laughs> end of improv. <laughs> no, but uh, we, we still have the third act of head of state true, to talk true, about. True. I mean, that's. I, I was going to get into a gag that I like about this that mm-hmm. like leads us into the third act. where there, It's like election night. He's winning. And then in an order, it like to sway California is the last state where it really matters. And then they're like spread rumors that a black man is going to become president. And it's like so absurd. The just sea of white people (laughs) running to vote. It's so great because the, the joke is telegraphed right away, but it's still the execution of it's so perfect because uh, yeah, you just like, that's the moment where it even goes over the top. You know that the Democrats are running a sabotage campaign for him. But at that moment, the high ranking Dem that plans to run next time, you know, goes over to the opposing candidate and is just like, all right, just announce that uh, he's leading in California early. And then you get this huge wide crane shot of the suburbs where everything looks exact. Every house looks exactly the same. Uh, And the streets are then flooded with white people. (laughs) It's kind of like when uh, Hillary was saying like Obama wasn't born here. (laughs) That was kind of like she she watched head of states. Like, I wonder if that would work. Yeah, I think Hillary Clinton probably liked this movie, honestly. Sure, she was in it. It's true. She had to sign off on that. <laughs> That's true. Is that is that? Did you probably have to sign off? No. Okay. She probably no, they just mention her name. Saw it. <laughs> Let's be honest. Hillary Clinton isn't giving her time to black voices. Yeah. No. I was. I don't need. Is that is that okay to say? Is that an okay judgment? <laughs> yeah. To pass? Fuck Hillary Clinton. No, because there yeah. there was that Lock was that her up, like. Man. Uh, a thing white people used to love to say that Bill Clinton was the first black president yeah. because he played sax on Arsenio, but it's like. 
those two are so racist. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. no doubt about it. I mean, it. they've said they've said you know they've said some terrible things. They said, they've been public about. Can it. you imagine just like them hanging out in the South in the old days, like the things they would have said <laughs> while driving? <laughs> Let's get out of there. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, There's a lot of ways Let's get out we of that could... car <laughs> and into the tour bus of the campaign <laughs> for Chris Rock, <laughs> which is where a lot of the second half and third act in particular take place on this tour across America through the heartland. <laughs> you know, uh, you see him go. Uh, you see him pander to different aspects of the heartland, whether it's the Bible Belt or the Dairy Belt, uh, <laughs> with scenes about eggs and God, I guess. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I really, now that I think about it, really like the way this movie moves. It feels like such a big studio movie from a bygone era, even though it also feels like such a cultural stamp of 2003 as well. Um, it's definitely way better than all the other shitty, like apolitical political movies of this era, like fucking, uh, the Robin Williams version of this, uh, Whitehead of state. Wait, of state. <laughs> what is uh, man of the year? I yeah, what, think is what it's what called. What the fuck is that movie about? Uh, it's the same kind of thing where it's yeah. like some bozo shouldn't run for president but does and wins, and Robin Williams wins you over with his epic empathy. Ugh. I mean, I feel like there I was a, him so a chain of. Robin, like, I'm so glad he's dead. Go yeah. on. Of like 2004, 2008. I welcome to Mooseport. In there, like it's like a like there's a run of like movies that are like centrists where it's just like. Look, the problem is we just need to step across the aisle, realize we're people. Yeah, I mean, swing vote we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, but that's like the number one, uh, you know, 2000s apolitical political movie. Yeah. Uh, an all-timer, really, in that realm. Really dog shit movie, but an all-timer, like, artifact for that purpose. True. That, that, the, the concept of that movie is <laughs> fucking hilarious. <laughs> Like it's, I just laugh every time I think about it. Especially that it's Kevin Costner too. That adds a little something to it. Well, when you think about it, you know, let's say there's an even amount of people in America, and we are as divided as they say. It could come down to one man. It's going to happen to me. And uh, sometimes you got uh, Kelsey Grammer is one of the candidates. <laughs> there are obviously like, like very crazy right wing movies that we like along with our left wing ones. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like you could make a good movie with like this centrist bent? Like it feels like if you're going with this type of political bullshit, automatically going to be hokey. It's so weird because I like some pretty centrist movies that came out 15 years ago already. And it's just like, I think... I need some distance with political cinema that I vehemently disagree with uh, a lot of the time. I mean, like, I guess I go as far as, like, Zoller and stuff I still fucking love, even though he's definitely, like, you know... Uh, reactionary. Yeah, no, to say But I mean, that's like, more... Reactionary no, 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 is more palatable than centrist. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's because the centrism is just, like, so much, like, the dominant mode of mainstream filmmaking. Mm -hmm. You know, like, it has... A political bent and that politics is centrism yeah i guess it's baked into already a lot of stuff yeah i feel like these movies are the movies that are about politics you know uh in the bush era and like early obama era and like uh the other movies just like weren't aware of their own politics like other mainstream movies and i feel like now mainstream movies generally are very aware of their own centrist politics yeah, I think that's what makes it worse is that you kind of you see how the sausage is being made, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it's. I mean, yeah, most movies are probably pretty centrist. Do you have any drugs on you? You better get them off right now because I'm not going to jail for you. Are you on the pipe? This is 
just messed up, this really sucks Every time you do it, the trouble just pops up He doesn't know what he's gonna do He doesn't know what he's gonna do and to go back to the movie and his campaign, you know, he, Chris Rock delivers a thrilling speech at the debate where he just tells everyone to beat their kids. Yeah. Which is great. <laughs> everyone goes wild. It's hilarious. The reaction. <laughs> that is the pure, like, stand-up comedy element of it. Is yeah. that and, like, Bernie Mac on interview shows not knowing what he's talking about but still owning people. What about NATO? How do you feel about NATO? I never, met NATO. I never met NATO. I never met NATO on the I don't talk about people behind their back. NATO is the North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Oh, but you, oh, you didn't say that. I thought you were talking about the guy. I know this guy named NATO, NATO Jacobs. But you, you have know. to know these things. If uh, you're running for public Do you office, know NATO Jacobs? I Do you know NATO Jacobs? I know what NATO is. Uh, Do you know NATO Jacobs? Uh, I'm sorry, I haven't met the gentleman. Yeah, that's I what I said. Did I say that? You don't know nothing about NATO? I don't know nothing about NATO. I, I mean, honestly, looking back at this movie, it's like, it's kind of, it has a pretty high hit rate with its jokes. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, and I mean, it moves along so well. I say Nate Dog because I wrote down Nate Dog like four times <laughs> in my notes because every time he popped up, I was like, "Hell yeah, dude!" Yeah. Uh, and the debate is so quick too. It's hilarious. It's like two questions that they each have a snappy thirty-second response to, and then the speech at the end where you know Chris Rock compares America to a big-titted woman because you know everyone loves a big-titted woman. <laughs> that's see that is that's the kind of political spectrum I want to operate on. Yeah, you know? of course. <laughs> breast size politics through breast size i don't know i'm digging for a joke there i don't think there is one <laughs> like uh girls with big tits are republicans girls with smaller Small ones tits are, are leftist yeah i don't think so you you guys are talking in quote tweets <laughs> i know right wing people are breast guy and left wing people are uh uh, if you like Hillary Clinton, uh, you're more of a boobs guy. Uh, yeah, the boobs what about of that a, ass on her? The, the, <laughs> I was going to say the boobs of a child if you support Hillary Clinton. Anyway. That's a little grim. Yeah. It's a little. I, hey, my mom voted for Hillary and she doesn't do that to children. <laughs> I voted for her. I'm allowed to say whatever I want. Yeah. That's right, listeners. 2016. And 2020 <laughs> and 2018, I voted for her for mayor, the mayor of Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm looking forward to voting for her again in 2024. <laughs> where have the where have the real fans gone of Hillary? <laughs> After she lost that campaign, they swarm off like People bugs. Were going so hard, and then they just like what? Did she drop like a bad album or something? Yeah. <laughs> I still fuck with her a lot. She's super sick. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, hold your applause, please. How can you help the poor if you've never been poor? How can you stop crime if you don't know no criminal? How can you make drug policy if you never smoked the chronic? How can you do that? Just a nickel bag. I'm a real American. Look at him now, man, ain't this great? Biggest man in town, he's the head of state. They come from all around just for one handshake. Look at him now.